Hi everybody, this is Patty Negri. Welcome to the Witching Hour. I have a great guest for you today. Yes, indeed, the one and only demonologist and so much more, James Anito. But before we bring on James, we have to do what we always do. Where's Patty? Yes, and if you are listening to this on the week we first drop, happy Halloween. Yes, today, right now, it's Halloween. Ah, happy Samhain, happy Halloween. So get out there and party. Remember, the veil is the thinnest today, the veil of all the year. So it's a good time to talk to ghosts, a good time to talk to ancestors. That's really kind of part of why you dress up and do that jack-o'-lantern. Um, so eat candy, have fun. Uh, Put up a picture of grandpa or grandma and talk about them a little bit too. Maybe light a candle. So I am right now, if you're listening it, I am in New Orleans celebrating Halloween a really good way. I've, that means I've just finished the Vampire Ball, which is now sponsored by AMC, along with Endless Night, my friend Father Sebastian. The night before, I actually hosted the Witches Ball, also AMC, um, and Father Sebastian, and I'm sure it was fabulous. I'm sure I hosted it wonderfully, did ritual and magic and all sorts of things from the Witching Hour from the Anne Rice stories, which I've been endlessly listening to on books on tape on airplanes across the world. Um, so I'm in New Orleans now, and just before New Orleans, I just got back from speaking at one of my favorite colleges that I speak at, didn't go to, UC Santa Barbara, beautiful campus on the California coast. And except for those COVID years in between, I go every year and do a mediumship gallery for their students. It's great, because you guys know I love young, I love the young'uns um, from early high school on up. And before that, I was in upstate New York for the Dark Waters Paracon, my dear friend Frankie Frank. It went great. It was wonderful. Um, we got to hang out with my dear friend Richard Lael, which a lot of you know and love as well. All sorts of great people. So I am here right now, and then I'm going to leave back for Massachusetts as soon as I get back from New Orleans for Mass Paracon. Massparacon.com, my friend Sam Baltrusis. Andrea Perrin's going to be there. I'm going to be there. Sam, of course, all sorts of fun people. So if you're in that Massachusetts area, come on down next weekend. That is the weekend of the 4th, 5th, whatever next weekend is, if you're listening when we first drop. I, again, have no class this week on Tuesday because I'm in a plane coming from New Orleans. Uh, but I do have a seance coming up on November 11th, a Zoom seance. So for those of you who've wanted to experience these seances, I do all over the world and in Paracons and on TV and film. You could join me in a safe and loving one right through my school, University Magicus. So go to universitymagicus.com. Um, Wednesday night, of course, I am here on Wednesday night because I don't want to miss the Witches Movie Coven. So join me, Heather Green, Jason Mankey, and Courtney Buckley for the Witches Movie Coven, which is live. You guys get to participate Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. UK. Stay up. No, it's 2 a.m. UK. Sorry, I get that wrong. So stay up really late if you're in the UK. But we talk all things movie. And they'll be live on my Facebook pages and on my YouTube. And then, of course, you can catch it later. So other than that, that's where I am. I'm everywhere. I'm in a plane probably right now, 30,000 feet up or hanging around uh, the French Quarter. I don't know. I don't know. But I hope you're having fun wherever you are. That's Where's Patty.
Hi, everybody. Guess what time it is? Yep, it is time for the Willow Report. Yes, the dog that doesn't like to look in the camera, but she has an awfully cute back of the head, doesn't she? But you can see her little Swedish Halloween costume because, yeah, she's cute. Anyway, she just was going to wear these for days and days and weeks and weeks because she has a lot of costumes. So you'll be starting to see your Christmas dresses really soon. So for Halloween, your dog needs a treat. Now, you can't give them candy. We talked about that last week or the week before. Candy's bad for them. So be careful that they don't get in your kids' bags or your bags. But they do make some amazing little puppy treats. There's the yawn. There's the yawn. That's my baby. So go to your local pet store, pet bakery, or you can make it yourself. There's lots of really good recipes. If you actually know how to bake or make little dog cookies, peanut butter is a very popular one. Meat cookies are fabulous in her mind. But make your puppy or your kitty a special treat. If you have a cat and it likes catnip, get him some catnip. Why not? We're eating candy. We're celebrating. Let your baby celebrate, too. And also, another thing, um, now is the time. Well, after today, this week, go get next year's costumes. Remember, everything's going to go on sale now. So if you don't have quite all the right outfits that you want for now, would you look in the camera? Now, this week, after Halloween, everything is like crazy deals. So go buy some outfits for next year, and then next year we'll talk about all the cute outfits. Maybe I'll have you guys send me pictures of you. Maybe you should do that anyway. Send me some pictures. Go to patty at pattynegri.com, or even better yet, post them and tag me on Facebook on my Patty Negri Psychic Medium page. Show me your babies dressed up for Halloween. I would love that. So anyway, that's it. Grace is sleeping somewhere because she's still the baby. Hasn't quite got that TV thing. And you're about ready to fall asleep any second, aren't you? <sighs> She's getting ready for the excitement. Happy Halloween. Happy Samhain. Love your babies. They love you. And uh, go get some costumes when they go on sale. That's it. That's the Willow Report. Okay, for this week's magic lesson, we're going to talk about spirit guides. There's so much talk about spirit guides all the time. My spirit guide, some people know exactly who their spirit guides are. They've known them a long time. Some people have no idea who their spirit guides are, yet they work with them. Some people have no idea who their spirit guides are, and they don't know if they work for them or not. But we do have lots of kinds of spirit guides. I'm going to talk to you about my knowledge, and again, there's lots of different knowledge from lots of different people. But in my experience and my training, we do have like five kinds of spirit guides. We have, and they kind of come and go throughout our life as needed. So I'm going to tell you how I see it. We have an inner band guide, which is, mm, that's almost like your guardian angel. It's somebody with you from birth until death, helping you, guiding you as needed, as wanted or desired by you. I call that the inner band. We also have an outer band guide. Now, that's a spirit guide that just kind of shows up when you need them. Maybe it's times of, of, of stress or tragedy or big needs or just you need the extra guidance. That's those ones that come along just when you need them. It could be getting into a car accident and they keep you out of a car accident. Again, kind of like a special angel coming from whatever, whatever that is. We, of course, have our ancestors, and that's our beloved 
loved ones. That's what's in our blood, whether it's grandma or grandpa or great, 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 great grandma or grandpa, the ancestry that we have within our blood, within ourselves. Our ancestors are there to guide us. It literally is like an intuition instinct type thing. And we, of course, have our ascended masters. You want that big wisdom. You want to go straight to the top, to the Jesus, to the Mohammed, to the Buddha. That's the ascended masters, the highest up there, the wisdom that they bring down. And, of course, we have our animal spirit guides. And two different kinds of those, in my experience, we have our living ones, which are kind of like familiars, or deceased pets that we have that come in, like my favorite pup when I was a kid growing up, Cricket hangs around on occasion um, and actually guides me and helps me and shows me things that animals do like love. (laughs) And we also have our symbolic um, animal guides. And that's more like the Native American, like the totem, like wolf magic or owl or bear. Um, And you could easily figure that out if you have this affinity a lot towards dolphins, say, or towards bears or wolves or all sorts of different things we have look that up and go yeah they show up in my life i have this awareness and you will read it and like wow that's either something that describes who i am what i believe in so strongly or it could be something that wow that's something i so definitively need in my life so that's why i have the strength of a bear or the vision of an eagle or the wiliness of a coyote whatever that animal is. So I call that our animal totems. And again, we could have different ones for different purposes within our lives. So again, get to know your guides. And if you don't want to get to know your guides, know that they're anyway. And I think that that's okay. I work with mine more than, okay, this is Fred, my this guide, and that's Henry, my this guide, or grandma, so-and-so, my this guide. I'm more of a conglomerate worker. I just kind of ask for the wisdom straight out most of the time. Um, almost like committee. It's like, I don't care who came up with the idea. You guys put it all together and you give it to me. You give it to me consciously through hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, or just the knowledge thereof. So if you're one of those people who could say, I don't know the name of my spirit guides, but I work with them, that's okay. That's okay. We all work in different ways and nobody says you have to do it this particular way. Ask them if they want to know the name and if they do, have them tell you. And if not, that's okay too. So again, however you work with them is okay. And however you don't work with them, if you so choose a different path, that's okay too. In my belief system, they're still there. So on top of that, when I went back to animals, a little bit about our familiars animals. And those are usually what are living animals. We hear about witches familiars and being the cat and all that. And I've talked about familiars before a little bit. Um, but if you want to figure out if your cat or even your dog or your ferret or your budgie or whatever that is a familiar, you will kind of know by a few different things. Like they seem to hang around when you're doing magical things, whether spell work or ritual or even meditation. They, they seem to want a part of it, especially spell working and stuff. They sort of kind of know when you're sick and they know how you're feeling and they are there to just guide you. They sit by you when they need to. Also, what I found that in familiars, your familiars, they're not as afraid of the elements as some other animals. It's like, why is not? my cat or my dog afraid of lightning like my other cats and dogs have been they're not afraid of fire which watch that because a cat's tail even if it's a familiar in your candle is still going to hurt and burn and make a terrible cat smell um so they're they're not afraid of fire you still have to avoid them getting into it but they're not they're less afraid of the elements 
um, again, they're drawn to it. They do make you feel better. You really do know or feel you have a psychic connection with them. So accept them. Okay, you are my familiar. You're my working partner. In my world, familiars help you navigate into the other world, into navigating your magic. They are there for you, and they are your partner that helps see on the other side. Because we all know that animals can see the other side. They can see spirits and ghosts and guides and all that kind of stuff because it hasn't got taught out of them. So why not use your living animal? And if you have a pet or a cat or a dog and they're not your familiar, that's okay too. I haven't decided if Willow is one of my familiars yet. She's still too young. Um, she's actually just starting to show signs that maybe she will calm down enough to actually be one and starting to pay attention to my magic and my spell working or when I have people over, she wants to hang by them with sessions and things. Um, so she may, but don't hold it against your pet if they're not a familiar. There's still nothing more magical than just your loved fur babies in or whatever animal baby they are. They bring you love. And that's the biggest magic of all is love, just love. So in a bit, get to know your spirit guides. Don't get to know your spirit guides. Know they are there. Talk to them. Don't talk to them. But they're there. That's it. That's your magic for today. Go out and see what you want. Hi, everybody. This is Patty Negri. Welcome to the witching hour. Yes, the witching hour, that hour of the day when the veil is thin and magic happens. Usually it's late at night, but now it's whenever you happen to be tuning into this podcast. And the magic here is in my guests. I have a really, really special one for you today. Um, I just got to know him a week or two ago in Arizona. I actually have demonologist, deacon, paranormal investigator, and all-around amazing guy, James Anito. Thank you so much for coming on, James. Thank you, Patty, for having me. And it definitely was a pleasure meeting you this past weekend, or was it two weekends ago? However it is, it felt like a lifetime of like having to not met each other and talk to each other. It was just an amazing weekend. It was in Arizona, the beautiful desert, beautiful cactuses, your company. Uh, and, <laughs> and I didn't kill you down a mining shaft. Yeah, <laughs> I tried. We almost went down a mining shaft. but We did. Um, I'm glad everything is all right. We're all right. And uh, still, we could have that as a memory for the rest of our lives. For the rest of our lives, yes. I'm so glad I did not have to call home and say I lost the car down a mining shaft. And people were screaming in the backseat. James got out. It was really good. But he was directed me because the car was sliding in the sand and going straight towards some big old rusty piece of equipment. Eh, missed it by that much so it was an exciting ghosty weekend in uh vulture city but it, it was really great and we got to investigate together um so again it, it, you are different than a lot of my guests because you really are of the ministry you are an exorcist right you're a demonologist so tell us a little bit about you for my folks who i can't imagine don't know who you are and how you got there yeah, so, uh, you know, to clarify, Patty, I am not an exorcist. Uh, you know, I am a deacon uh, of the United States Old Catholic Church. And before formally, I was an ordained minister with the Church of Christ as a deliverance minister. So what I would say more so than what I would prefer to be called is a deliverance minister or somebody that okay. performs deliverances. Um, an exorcist uh, requires a lot, years, years of training that I, I have not formulated yet in my life. And, you know, maybe one day I will uh, reach uh, those lengths and get to that point. But 
you know, one step at a time, as they say. So who I am, um, my name is James Needle, as you said, and uh, I am a demonologist, a deacon, a paranormal investigator and researcher with PPRI, which is a parapsychology group out of New England and Canada, ran by two doctors of social science. And um, basically uh, have been kind of encumbed, uh, succumbed to this field at an early age, not due to a haunting, or any uh, unnatural things, no demons, no ghosts, no spirits, um, but more so of childhood trauma. And because of that childhood trauma, I really had a disdain for God. You could call me agnostic atheist, but I really would like to call myself uh, at a youth and still to this day in some form a Darwinist. Uh, I loved evolution. I loved biology. Still love science to this day. Um, and, and incorporating to that, I'm also a psychology major um, as well. So, you know, that love of science has uh, developed into my uh, late, uh, early adulthood and as well um, as in the paranormal because being through my childhood trauma, I was always uh, thrown into the fire of God is good, this faith, that faith, how it's so great and how these beings and deities are either benevolent or malevolent. But I really had questions. My questions were, if these things exist, why does this happen to certain people? Why, if God is good in my Christian belief system, why would I be at four years old, left on the side of the street by my father and left there um, and then adopted? So these these questions raced through my head and of course the people that adopted me were a lutheran family they'd go to church every sunday i'm hearing all these uh, psalms and these and these uh, hymns and how great god is and i'm like is is what is god what is this being people call saying that it is so omnipotent omnipresent great and one of the things that uh, in my search of theology I really started dabbling into uh, the paranormal in the sense of watching these shows. And, you know, everybody laughs, but I love Scooby-Doo. And <laughs> Scooby-Doo is a great entryway for children to understand the aspects of the paranormal and how people can be deceived. So, uh, you know, with Scooby-Doo and, of course, Tales of the Crypt and Search of, in Search of by Leonard Nimoy, uh, and, you know, the list goes on, Unsolved Mysteries, which was an amazing show back in the early 90s uh, and 80s, um, kind of really kind of thrusted me into, all right, well, people are explaining uh, these things now. How does this relate to God? So I started picking up a lot of books, um, Hans Holzer, Harry Price, uh, Houdini, uh, Charles Dickens, Charles Babbage, Arthur Conan Doyle. Uh, people all that have been associated with the paranormal at some point in time. And it just led me down a rabbit hole that led me down to uh, at this point in here where I am with you on this uh, on this amazing show. So it's it's been a long, illustrious history. Um, but as far as like the, the ministry route, yeah, I, I do the ministry things, you know, because now I have found faith. You know, you might call it something different or other person might call it something different, but I do believe a higher power exists. And this is not to sell the Bible. This is not to sell what I believe in, because I think everybody is allowed to believe in what they wish to believe in as long as it is for the good. But I found something. And, and that is because uh, sometimes when you seek questions, answers do come.
and I eventually received my answers. And it's not to the full degree where I would say they're empirical or factual, but I know what happened with me and my experiences, and that's the domino effect that I needed in my life that is that has me here today. That is beautiful. So that's why I like you so much. Again, it's you see the big picture. We see that it really is kind of a roadmap. We create our, our belief system. We create from our truths. And it's so we can navigate our life. Um, so again, I see where you're going and I see with Scooby-Doo and all the shows because I had, you know, my generations of those same kind of shows. I, I wasn't sitting watching you know, family dramas. I wasn't, I was watching this weird spooky stuff, um, but still getting into like paranormal, like investigations and then specializing in the demons. That still is a little bit of a left turn. Well, yeah, no, most definitely. Uh, definitely. Uh, I was in the mystery machine when I turned left and uh, really, really what enamored me about demons uh, or angels uh, or spirits in general was uh, more the theodicy nature of good versus evil or karma um, and Epicurus, which is, uh, is, is, is of Greek as a Greek philosopher, you know, um, I loved Epicurus because when he, when he talked about good and versus evil, I, I wanted to know what good and evil entailed. And I really feel like, uh, something like homoritology, which is the study of sin. Um, and this is, of course, more Christian theology basis is, um, that I, I really wanted to know what evil was or what good was. So as far as the demonology, how that kind of, uh, kind of came engulfed in my life was more so um, I started reading our early adaptions of like the demonologist and Father Malachi Martin and, um, you know, uh, Father Gabriel Morth and people that necessarily are kind of closed minded in the sense of their belief systems, but that are very intelligent individuals when it comes to their theology and some form of people as well. So the demonology thing really kind of uh, exploded when I got out of the military. I was in the army and basically that's where I found my faith and I was medically discharged. I hit a very dark period in my life uh, due to that because I felt like a failure. Um, it was something that was like an internal goal. I wanted to do this for 20 years, retire and say I served my country. And so that failure, failing uh, that I felt inside if I didn't have that faith, I probably would have committed suicide. I, I had early attempt in my life due to the childhood trauma. And I feel like that faith is what kind of lifted me up into the light and got me out of that tunnel of darkness. So I started at a local church, uh, being a pastoral assistant for the Church of Christ. And while being a pastoral assistant, I started investigating heavily again because I started out when I was 14 years old on the cusp of 15. So I was always kind of interested in dabbling and looking at the mysteries and lores and the folklores of the surroundings. You know, we I know you're into the vampire legends and uh, vampire uh, 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 situation. And we had Mercy Brown, which is more than 20 minutes from where I am currently right now. So I, I started dabbling into a lot of these locations, um, investigating local surroundings that maybe I shouldn't have gone into. So while doing the ministry work and investigating, um, I eventually founded my own group called Ghost, Ghost Hunters of Supernatural Truth, with an uh, individual named Andre Corrier, um, who was on an episode uh, of The Haunting, which was on uh, Amazon 
animal planet called Demon Attack. And he had worked with an individual called Carl Johnson. Um, and people might know Carl Johnson as the twin brother of Keith Johnson, uh, both appearing on the first two seasons of Ghost Hunters, and then Keith on Paranormal State, and Carl and uh, another plethora of shows afterwards. And then, of course, as well, both brothers were on Ghost Adventures, which you're, you're uh, an alumni of. And um, so basically, I eventually met Carl, and Carl actually um, took me under his wing as his tech manager because I, as well, not just don't have a theology background, a ministry background, and a psychology background, but I have a computer programming background. It's what I went to vocational school for and went to college for before I went in the military. Um, so basically, he brought me on as his tech manager, and I just started to work with Carl on a lot of residential cases more than I did so with Ghost. And basically, that's kind of what catapulted me into demonology because I really started to see that not everything is demons. I, I actually didn't even believe in demons um, until probably my early 20s when I came across uh, a very nasty spirit that was puffing its chest out because uh, I don't know why it was uh, disincarnate in the sense of being evil, um, but it really was doing harmful things to that family. And that was really what solidified that deities or demons or what other people might interpret as an evil spirit um, that they exist. So the demonology things kind of unraveled uh, by by Carl Johnson. But I was always fascinated in it. Uh, good and evil, I think, to anybody beside as well of the question what comes after death um, is it, it, very, very intriguing to us because we have good humans, we have evil humans. And why, why does that happen to people? I think that is... Uh, a question that many of us ask uh, every day when we yeah. deal with people or deal with this stuff in the paranormal. So yeah, you know, I could take this whole show to tell yeah. you how demonology and why I believe brought me to there, but I definitely believe it's a calling. Uh, and yeah. I could definitely uh, cement that and say, I believe it's a calling. I believe it's because of my trauma. I believe I was sculpted into um, being the individual I am for uh, for a reason doesn't make me any special than anybody else, but you know it's the role that I believe I am meant to do in my life. I, I and that's beautiful, and I do. I mean, mine is a calling too. It's like I've tried to do a million other things, and I keep coming back to this odd, even less definable you know path than yours but i do like that you said everything's not a demon i mean i certainly believe in demons i certainly believe in angels but i do think demons get way more credit than they should mm. i i think in the, but again you are the expert that you are the demonologist but don't you think that a lot of times it's just some cranky ghost or that they think it's a demon mm. how do you tell the difference as a professional Oh, Patty, you you are a hundred hundred percent spot on. Uh, most times, it's somebody cranky. I always say, if I'm a negative person in life, and we believe in disembodied spirits, if our soul, our consciousness, however we want to interpret it, leaves our body or our subconscious subconsciousness is no longer connected to our physical body, and it floats around or whatever it does, I think is the biggest question to most of us as investigators. You probably have a better idea because as a psychic medium, you see it, yeah. you probably have a little bit of a connection that kind of hook, line, and sinker that kind of gives you that ability to understand it, but I don't. So in the same sense, I, I, if I'm negative, 
and I die and I still linger for some sort of reason, um, maybe because I'm just not happy enough to move on or I'm not allowed to move on, I'm going to be negative in that presence as well because guess what? That's how I was all my life. Yeah. If if you if you uh, meet a serial killer that, that is a spirit, I'm pretty sure they're going to have the same characteristics or not characteristics, but the same personality um, that they had in life if they still linger. Um, people that are lost souls that maybe were killed, um, and uh, the Lucky Bones or the Lovely Bones with uh, Mark Wahlberg is one of my favorite movies. Um, kind of talking about a, a lost soul, how the daughter is killed by this uh, this killer, and she lingers around because she wants to express to her dad and her express to her family how she was killed, so she uh, tethers to the world. And I think sometimes when lost souls um, become lost, they become negative because they're confused. That outward emotion of what happened, that tantrum they throw. Um, and they also give off a kind of a negative presence as well, because sometimes when people are confused, they become mad or uh, anxious. And these are not really great emotions in the physical sense, but in the, in the brunt of it, I would say, and I like to give a statistic on uh, demons to uh, spirits or even psychokinetic or thought form of talp or egregor. I, I've come across five cases that I would qualify as demonic in the past 16 wow. years. Um, and, you know, like you said, mm-hmm. I, I tend to believe that a lot of it um, stems from the human uh, human uh, kind of psychological uh, issue or mental health. And that doesn't denote that, that the paranormal doesn't exist. But like in my cases of demonic uh, infestation, oppression or possession, trauma is always prevalent. And as well, even in a haunting, when there is a haunting going on in the house, there seems to be some sort of element of the human nature as well involved why that activity spurted. And so if 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 I'm in approaching on and approaching on somebody's place, let's say they lived there for 30 years, they did, died in that location or died in the location, but were still tethered there because they loved that place so much and somebody else moves in. I think there's going to be a negative reaction sometimes because this is like, this is my home. What are you doing here? And and another example of this, and I love to use pop culture as a reference because I think people love movie entertainment. Um, The first season of American Horror Story, perfect example, right? They moved in. There were some negative spirits there, some good spirits. And it was like a smorgasbord of activity that would occur there. And I think this is what happens. I think that's why people deal with negative spirits. And why, as humans, why, if we dealt with something negative, why would we jump to it's a demonic? Well, for one, Christianity um, in, in, in itself is 2.2 billion followers. It, it, it is uh, the largest of religions and faiths out there. And I think when people read the Bible or are told things by certain churches, they kind of get the wrong uh, notion of what this is what they're coming in front of because they've been kind of brainwashed or haven't done their own research. And also it's another psychological study to bring psychology into it. Um, something in my psychology research and uh, through my academic uh, uh, college is that, you know, we always tend to jump to the worst case scenario, you know, the uh, fight or flight, uh, reaction that we have. So I use uh, as reference um, as a bush. 
I'm looking at a bush right now outside my window that I can't see what's in that bush, but it ruffles, it moves. Am I going to think there's an animal in that bush ready to attack me or is it the wind? Most people will jump to the conclusion that there's an animal in that bush and there's something in there that's going to attack me or something that's not good in that bush because guess what? We jump to the worst case scenario. We see that on a daily basis as humans. So that's why people jump to demons more than just, oh, it's the spirit or it's myself. And, you know, I don't know if you saw this, Patty, but when we went through COVID for the past two years, I know it was very quiet in the sense of what we could do, but I did have a lot of people call me saying hey i'm experiencing this now that i'm home but they also forget to think that cabin fever is quite a possibility this they're going through high emotions the whole collective consciousness is going through a high emotion and we're, we're, we're taking more in um and i think that's also a piece of the puzzle as well yeah, I agree. And yeah, with COVID, we were all of a sudden we were sitting home when we're used to going here and there and here and you don't even pay attention what you think or is or isn't happening. You're just going on. Now we had to be still, which was good in a lot of aspects. And some people just didn't do it really well. Um, yeah. And I do think mental in my experience when things or people that let the dark stuff affect them themselves, it's so often there is the trauma, like you're saying, or mental imbalance or addiction problems. Yeah. That just seems to like let a bunch of things in. Um, but again, you are, I sadly, I missed it. Just, uh, you have, you are a demonologist. You do certain things. We were just in Vulture City, a beautiful little mining town, and you actually did a minor um, rite of exorcism, correct? correct? Yeah, unfortunately, I had to, you know, I, you know, Technically, uh, I'm supposed to get permission in, in some certain cases. This, Nobody will know. <laughs> yeah, of <laughs> course. Now the whole world will know. But um, really what had happened is, you know, not to give a little bit of the story, is I had an LFL demonologist there. His name is Leon Wilkes. He's part of the Ang Ang Anglican Church. And he is uh, from the lineage of the Warrens as well, like myself, because I trained under the Johnsons and trained under other people that come from that Warren lineage. But he came from Do David Considine, which um, he has the right to say that he's the only person David Considine ever taught. And that's a that's a great honor because Considine is a, a very well knowledge individual in in this field of demonology. But he was there, and we uh, had done an investigation. I believe it was Saturday night, right, Patty? Yeah. And, uh, we were stuck in the church, of course, put two religious <laughs> men in the church. Great yeah. idea. Um, I'm, I'm not being fantastic. It was a great idea. Yeah. So what happened is we were uh, speaking liturgy and saying prayers and uh, trying to invoke certain things uh, in a positive nature. You know, we were asking questions because um, some of the things that had been said there is people had asked questions about spirits and the religious beings there, whoever they were in, in life now deceased, uh, would would say stop speaking to the devil or stop doing this, you, you know, stop trying to raise the dead. And this is what was told to me by Jay Yates and other people that have investigated the church before. So I wanted to kind of keep it neutral. I didn't want to aggravate them. But if I did aggravate them, I wanted to also invoke some sort of nature that they would uh, as well connect to because I, I don't want to provoke and not trying to put people at harm. So what had happened in the first few sessions, because it was uh, group rotations after I think 30 or 45 minutes yeah. and 
first few sessions were uh, benevolent in, in communication. Yes, we were getting things. Uh, we had some spirit box, EVP, um, EMF hits, and you know it seemed at peace what we were speaking to. And then, unfortunately, we had this one individual, uh, I think the third or fourth session in, who's a little bit under the influence of alcohol. And, um, you know, I won't say their name. I don't want to judge them or throw them under the bus. But the, unfortunately, they have some dark things in their life. They were not totally coherently there. And I think they were uh, latched on to by something or latched on to something by her life um, that has followed her whole, her, her whole life. And uh, she came into play and uh, she did what I would say the demoniac was somebody that's possessed. Um, by a demon, and I'm not saying it was a demon. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use whatever uh, I'm talking about loosely. Um, but she was giving that eye penetration kind of stare, where she wasn't looking at you; she was looking right through you. And I even said it in front of a bunch of people. I'm like, "What? What are you looking at?" Like, because I could feel it. I could feel like the goosebumps. I could feel like the equilibrium change. Like there was a baric baric metric pressure change in 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 that in that church. Um, it felt uneasy. And the caveat uh, of that moment was is the, the communication started going from benevolent to a little bit more aggressive. And um, uh, in that moment, one of the individuals there uh, who's a psychic medium, I love her to death. She's a great person. She has her own podcast. And I won't say her name because this is personal. But she was abused and dealt with things when she was younger. And um, it basically, she asked the question and it came out and said, I will, um, I will always be here, Precious. And Precious wasn't a positive thing. It was a bad thing. Like the person that was negative to her called her Precious and the only person that called mm -hmm. her Precious. And it hit her. She started tearing and crying. And as soon as that happened, people started feeling sick. We started seeing shadow play. And um, as soon as the next group came in, somebody was spooked out of the church. It just went the first few session. The first few sessions after that just went downhill. And I, Leon, and both myself felt it was needed that we needed to shut that location down for a little bit of time. We did um, prayers of, over the location first. The prayers didn't seem to fully work. So then I. Um, had to uh, do the next step, which was the minor rite of exorcism, which is an increased house blessing uh, over uh, a, a house or a location that might have demonic infestation. I don't want to use the word demonic with this because I don't really know what it was. I would definitely like to say the word inhuman or maybe elemental or even a thought form uh, that was so perceived as negative because of this person's emotions and negativity and trauma. Um, but it was uh, very dark. And we had to perform a minor rite of exorcism. It, it worked. Uh, but during that, unfortunately, somebody actually um, uh, had a, a channeling moment where she went into trance and was taken over. So while I was doing the minor rite of exorcism, Leon was saying prayers over her. Then 15 minutes, and I don't know if they care about me explaining this, but 15 minutes after all this happened and the person was kicked off the premise, um, one of the event holders, and I won't say names, um, I don't feel comfortable doing so, um, we, you know who I'm talking about, yeah. um, was actually attacked by yeah. this force 
And then the next day, um, I had to perform a deliverance over her um, because she still was feeling this uh, this connection, this attachment. And then she was eventually eventually uh, uh, rushed to the hospital because yeah. um, I feel like that medical staff should always be involved. And there was a nurse during the deliverance uh, 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 that was there with us. So we probably we checked off as many you know, boxes we could before we had jumped, jumped to the supernatural. But this person's husband as well believed it was the supernatural. Uh, that was the main uh, point of this. And they're uh, very full-fledged investigators, very smart people. Yes. Um, they've done this for, uh, for a very long time. Yes. Uh, you know, I didn't start doing the deliverance without permission. Um, but yeah, it this great weekend became kind of a little hectic for me but that doesn't detract the way that it was still a great weekend even though there was a few hiccups in the moment right and again and that is we are in this business we're not sitting there knitting blankets we are going into this other world by choice all of us um but that brings up a really good thing this is real this it's you see on tv and all the things that we do and the and this is something that is very serious um and not everybody gets like we did gets to travel with a demonologist so what are some some things do you have any for like the average folks um they're getting into this world a little bit do you have any suggestions of what to do or not do or you know who you're going to call when you need to as a you know, just any tips, ideas, thoughts. Yeah, oh, definitely, Patty. So I, I always tell people like uh, not to get into the the field of demonology. It's not because of ego, uh, any egocentric belief that I should be the only person or whatever. But I always feel like people want to get into the, the wrong reason. They, they, they see myself or other demonologists that I do believe that have the credentials, have the background, worked with other demonologists, worked with many paranormal teams, worked with people like yourself that have that rapport and respect for each other. And I think people see us doing these grand lectures and having our ways to these certain conferences. And I think people feel like that is an easy entrance into these events and it, it is the wrong uh, way to think and a way wrong attribute that you want to associate with because demonology is a very well well-versed study you know I, I i learn about psychology i'm very eclectic i'm not just a christian demonologist i study a lot about neo-paganism uh, hinduism christianity uh muslim islamic folklore uh, African mythologies, uh, mythologies in general from Greek and Egyptian and so, Norse mythologies, uh, Shintoism, uh, so on, so on. I'm very eclectic in what I study. I feel like a demonology should because demons are either in name or characteristical form are in other belief systems. You have to understand the lores and the cultural, tra- cultural traditions of wicked spirits. So People think because the title is cool, uh, it's a it's an easy uh, step into. So I tell people, you know, you shouldn't get involved in it unless you feel like it's a calling. Um, and you know, how do you know it's a calling? Well, if if you were never religious and then you got into religion and then you felt like you could help people, then that might be the first step. But what happens with me, and I and I see this a lot, Patty, is people want to be mentored by me and I, I do free mentorship because I, I don't do it for the money. I don't exploit people. I have a, 
I'm looking at one of the uh, my building right now, my office. I'm I have a career. I'm a project manager and estimator for an HVAC company. Pa- get paid very handsomely, one of the top in the company, um, in the hierarchy. I'm set, um, as long as long as I do it, and I've been doing it for a long time. So to me is I do it on my time. And I always tell people, if you want to be mentored to me, you have to be willing to take your time and donate it and understand that if I give you a book to read and say after the book or points in the part of the book, we have to uh, talk. Sorry, this car is going by, but we have to talk and uh, discuss these certain things. And then eventually you can come on to cases with me. Then like after a few books, people, people lose interest because it's not like what they thought it was. It's not going to be all these thrills and excitement, this roller coaster ride of this up and down loop and this, you know, Superman drop that happens. Yes. Those moments occur. Like the last time I dealt with the demon was a few years ago. Um, you know, and it's not, and it's one, one thing I tell people it's the trait, right? So for me, you think as a demonologist, I would want a demonic case to pop up because it gives me more experience being a demonologist, right? It gives me a little bit more uh, a case study that I can observe. But hell no, I do not want to ever come across one of those cases because they're hectic. There's a lot of trauma. There's family dysfunction. It brings dysfunction in my life. I don't ever want to come across it because of those reasons. And if you are a person that wants to get into demonology to experience a demon, you're definitely not meant to do it. Because that's not the reason we do it. No. We do it for the love of the study, but we do it for the love of helping an individual as well. Right. So, yes, I think we should talk everybody out of doing it. So they can't help doing it because they have to do it. Just like with any of these odd type professions. But uh, but also, but I mean, if somebody wants to get into, okay, I want to become a little bit of a paranormal investigator, not a demonologist. Do you have any things for them like to what to watch out for, be careful of, stuff like that? Well, yeah. So as you know, Patty, you, you take all the precaution, precautions in the world. You know, I, I, you know, in your seance, you do a cleansing, you, you, before your table tipping, you, 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 you invoke great emotion so that there's nothing that can intercede that is yeah. negative. And I tell people when you paranormal investigate and I, and I'm the oxymoron to this because as much as I tell people it is dangerous and it could be playing with fire because you don't have the clear ability to see or feel certain things. And I think we all do, but some people are closed off to it is that you're playing with fire because it's like me talking to somebody and not knowing what I'm talking to. It's like, or it's like being on a plane and talking to Mike Tyson and aggravating him and they get punched in the face. Um, you know, you at least know Mike Tyson's there and you're going to get punched in the face by Mike Tyson, but you don't know what's going to retaliate if you speak uh, unknowingly or provocatively, provocatively to to this uh, unseen force. So mm-hmm. as I tell people to get in paranormal investigating, you know, start slow. Um, I, I always say if you're going to ask questions, ask neutral questions, not personal questions that open yourself up to being involved with that communication. Um, you know, you could say it's nice here. Um, what's the age of this building? Like start off slow until you feel comfortable, until you build a foundation of yourself. And I feel like as long as you have a faith or some sort of head on your shoulders to stay attuned to yourself, if something does kind of try to um, step onto your territory, 
you can at least try to do your best to push it away. But yeah, getting a paranormal investigating, you know, I started off at 14. I started off with a disposable camera, a flashlight and uh, uh, analog tape recorder. You can start off slowly, dabble, see if you like it. Go to local surroundings. Don't break into places. Ask permission. If you're going to a cemetery or graveyard, make sure that you're appropriate. You're not doing any uh, vandalism. And this is, you start off slow and then build your way. But I feel like it's such, um, like when I got involved, I'm in Rhode Island. So even though it is a small state, small state in the union, um, you, we only had like less than a dozen teams. Now we probably have a hundred teams. So it's a l- little bit more accessible for people. Um, so always reach out to somebody as well. And, you know, it's hard because there's no like yellow book of uh, paranormal investigators and their credentials or how well versed they are or what they're in it for. But you can still use Google, look for referrals, see what this team is about, talk to maybe former members or current members of multiple different opinions, how this group is and get to know people and then ask to join a group because, you know, when you're with uh, like minded individuals, you know, you you learn from different people um, and different point, points of views of doing things. You know, you have, might have an ITC guy. You might have a videographer. You might have a psychic medium. You might have a demonologist. You might have a research guy, a historian. Um, and you'll learn all different avenues of what paranormal investigating is about. And I think that's the best way of getting involved. You know, I, and I'm thankful this is the world that we live in. You know, my son, six years old, Caleb, well, he's going to be six i've been taking him with me since he's been four years old he's investigated fort mifflin st albans he's investigated uh chambers chambersburg theaters which uh, in pennsylvania which is one of the oldest theaters in this country um he's been to the conjuring house in harrisville rhode island mm-hmm. he's been to multiple different locations and um i started him off young and he wants to it's not like i forced him into it but he's starting to become very intellectual on what questions to ask. And he's very well, uh, very, very well mannered in the way he approaches um, a surrounding. You know, he does get rambunctious in normal life, but when he's investigating, it calms and cools and collects him and he stays attentive. He stays concentrated of what he's doing. And I think that's it's fascinating to have mentors in this field as well. That is fabulous. And I love that here he's been to more places than I have. And so I haven't been to the Conjuring House. That is awesome. Um, okay. Oh, my God. I have so many questions, but I'm looking at time. But before we go, since it is Halloween time and it is the time when the veil is thin and it's time we have lots of fun things, too. And I have another podcast these days called uh, The Witch's Movie Coven. And we do talk about witchy movies and now and demonologist movies and good Halloween movies. Do you have an, any you recommend for anybody for this season, just for fun? <laughs> oh, most definitely. Of course, you know, I, I think people are, are are on a rift about Halloween ends, but I preferred it. I loved it. Um, so Halloween movies, you know, you have the Friday the 13th, the Nightmare on Elm Streets, you know, the, the, the old flicks. I love those, um, you know, I, I'm I'm a sucker for some Disney movies as well, so I love Halloween Town, um, you know, um, Insidious, um, the Conjuring movies. Uh, Insidious is actually one of my favorite movies. Um, some exorcism movies like The Right. I love The Right with Anthony Hopkins, based on a true story. Exorcism of Emily Rose, based on a true story of Annalise McKell. Um, 
so many great movies you can watch during the holiday season. I could give you 30 of them. So you could watch one every day in the 30 days or 31 of October. I'll give you 31 of them, but I would take too much of the show up. We'd be on another 10 minutes or so. <laughs> yeah, so those are some of the great movies that I like to watch during the season. Um, but like I said, Insidious is probably one of my top favorite uh, James Wan movies and uh, horror movies ever. Oh, and then of course, too, Patty, you might love this movie, but a um, uh, great movie, Midsummer. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Ah. So, no, I have a question. When you were talking about these different movies, and when I watch a real witchy movie and I see how their ritual or what they're doing or spell crafting, do you get, I get like, oh, I don't, I don't do it like that. Not, not overly judgmental, but enough judgmental going, that's wrong. They didn't know what they were doing. Oh, that yeah. was good. Do you do the same thing when you see somebody doing demonology with? <laughs> Uh, yeah, and you know, actually, one of my favorite shows of all time is—it's funny to say—I love Charmed, so I can imagine what you tell No, <laughs> but yeah, no, I definitely, um, I definitely agree. Um, like a lot of people always relate to pop culture, and that's why I do as well. But yeah, sometimes I feel, uh, I feel like, ooh, they, this is what they did. Um, it kind of like gives a bad uh, vibe to what this is what people expect, like. Exorcist is a prime example of a great movie back in 1973, right? It gave the spirit board, unfortunately, evil and uh, incantation of being, this is bad. And I don't necessarily yeah. agree on that. Maybe I should lose my demonology badge. But, um, you know, it also uh, led to uh, the pea soup, the head spinning, that levitation it, it is common in this uh, situation. And, you know, in that movie and other movies, that's not the case. So, you know, even though there are spurts of things that are real in the movies um, and uh, do happen, there's, of course, a lot uh, involved in the entertainment uh, form of it as well. That kind of adds a little bit of more of an element of spookiness and uh, keeps your attention drawn. Because if it was like any of my normal cases, to be honest with you, it'd probably be boring. <laughs> right. No head spinning around and no uh, pea soup. <laughs> no Rarely pea the pea soup. Um, I know because it's 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 movies. It's entertainment. It's it's still it's fun. The good and the bad and the ugly is what we talk about on the Witches Movie Coven all the time. Um, but before we go again, you are so amazing. Tell anybody what you have coming up and where they can find you. And uh, so follow you, any websites, your social media, because everybody's going to be intrigued now. Yeah, definitely. So people want to get in touch with me, uh, jamesandnitto.com, J-A-M-E-S-A-N-N-I-T-T-O.com, uh, James Nito on Facebook, at James Nito on Instagram. Um, I also um, have two events coming up this month um, in the time being. I have Sleepy Hollow Paracon and Sleepy Hollow New York. Um, the 22nd of September, uh, September, 22nd of October, and then October 29th, I have the big one. I'm a special guest and special moderator for um, the Warren Seekers of the Supernatural Paracon at Mohegan Sun in um, Connecticut. And I will be the moderator for Keith and Carl Johnson's uh, lecture. And I will also be the moderator for Mike Ricksecker's lecture. And, um, you know, I have a lot more booked onto that. But follow me on my social medias. I post them on there. And if you are in trouble, um, please reach out to me at 401-808-7416. If you abuse my number, I'll abuse you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love that. You are the first person to give off a phone number. And you guys, he is 
amazing. Again, and now that I'm old friends with him and spent a whole weekend together and I tried to kill him and I didn't, um, we, uh, he, his heart is the size of a pumpkin. It's beautiful. And he knows what he's talking about and he's great. So take down that number, follow him, go, go to social media, go to his website, um, and then have a great Halloween, everybody, or Salon or whatever you want to call it. Thank you, James. Thank you, Patty. Happy Halloween, everybody. Yay.